Welcome back to the show for the third time, technically, because we did an episode and then you were uh, a guest on one of my year-end shows. So this is actually the third time you've been on here. It's cool. Uh, happy to be back, Chuck Shoot, and also congratulations, man. I mean, I remember when you were first getting the the podcast rolling, and and just it's the credit to your talent, to your uh, charisma, and most importantly, longevity. I mean, in this business, you just have to keep creating, you have to keep grinding, as you know. And uh, there's stops and starts and roller coasters along the way, but you've you've kept this show going and very successful. So. Um, I know what that looks like, and it's not an easy thing. So, congrats, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm still trying to get to the point I want to be at, trying to get 100,000 subscribers, which I don't know if that's going to happen. But um, yeah, I'm trying. But I mean, speaking of uh, you know t- twists and turns and and roller coasters, I mean, it seems like you know your life is kind of taking a little bit of a roller coaster. I think last time I saw you, you were you know you're living down the street with a girl, and you were working at iHeart, and uh, now you've moved. You're single. Not working for iHeart. So what happened? What, what so can now I'm living down the about? street without a girl. Okay, uh, <laughs> but a different no. place, right? With a different place. Uh, you know, I guess professionally speaking, we can start with that. Without without talking about specifics and stuff, you know, I'm no longer as of this conversation, as of this moment, part of the mainstream media. So you talk about a hundred thousand subscribers. Maybe after this interview. Uh, you'll get that hundred thousand mark because we're going to drop some bombshells today, and and I'm not afraid to you know talk about what's really going on. And I'm talking about what's really going on in in Arizona at the state capitol and in Washington D.C. The chains are off, so to speak. There's no more handcuffs. Um, there's a lot happening in our country and in our world that, quite frankly, people in mainstream media are afraid, or probably better stated, not allowed to talk about because of advertisers, because of executives, because of um, audience pushback and all that. But when you're in the position that I'm in now doing a show independently and and doing another show independently that we'll talk about later, now it's like, oh my gosh, I am free. I can can finally take a deep breath. I can finally talk about what I want to talk about. I can finally share my true beliefs, ask the questions that are actually relevant as opposed to just towing the party lines all the time and just kind of asking what was on the uh, the initial press release email and that kind of BS. So uh, yeah, the gloves are off and I'm, I'm happy to be a, a free man in the media these days. Wow, that is awesome. Well, I definitely want to get to that stuff. So let's tease the juicy stuff, but I do want to just talk, get, give my audience a little bit of an update too on just your own life. Um, when, when I had you on the first time, we talked about your history and you know how you used to work in the corporate world. And then you got burned out with that. And then you moved to Thailand and, and then the episode of House Hunters. And then that was kind of your first taste of being in front of the camera and the microphone. And then you still did, did that radio show in Barcelona. I mean, your life has kind of been all over. It's exciting. And now it's kind of changing again. It is. And and um, yeah, you're right. I was in the corporate world. You know, I'm a kid from central New York, Syracuse, New York. I went away to college and, and a, a lot of young people. Uh, in my in my position, you know, a college graduate, the big goal was to work in Manhattan and be on the 46th floor and have an office and and to wear a suit every day and to ride the subway and and I had a taste of that and I realized that it wasn't for me. I realized that I didn't want to be uh, uh, some sort of a an account executive uh, pushing around, you know, 
pressing buttons on Excel spreadsheets and making meetings about meetings about the last meetings and following up and it's a moot point and we'll circle back and all that kind of stuff. Circle back. The, that was the one that we talked about last time that you're like, if I have to hear circle back one more time. If I get an email and it starts with, well, we'll circle back on this later. I just delete it. Like, I don't want to do business with you. So it's just the corporate world. It's a necessary evil. It's necessary poison um, in our country. We we all know what makes the wheels turn, uh, what makes this country work, what makes the world work. But I just got sick of the corporate world. And I had to admit to myself, and this has been a theme of, of a lot of the conversations and interviews I've been doing lately, is admitting to yourself who you are. And, you know, there's a saying, if someone shows you who they are, then you should believe them. Well, if you show yourself internally who you are, you should believe yourself. And if you're not some corporate guy that that, uh, wants to push numbers around and climb the ladder and be in the rat race and be like a rat in a cage, then damn it, don't be. Don't be. If you don't want to get married and have two kids and a Labrador retriever and a beautiful house with a white picket fence and a John Deere tractor, then don't be that. If that's you, that's fine. But if it's not you, don't pretend to be somebody that society is trying to push you towards. I guess that's that's my right. that's my message. Isn't it? Uh, was it from the play? Hopefully, I don't get flagged for misinformation for this. But was it Hamlet in the Hamlet play that the line "To thine own self be true"? Yes, of course it was. I have no idea. Okay, and then the the line that you said, the quote you just said, I think that again, don't flag me for misinformation, but I believe it's Maya Angelou that says Angelo that said, uh, uh, when people show you who they are who they really are, believe them. And that is a, that is a great quote because I think there's times where you try to deny that like people in abusive relationships and things, I think this is very common. Like, you know, that the people act abusive and then the the boyfriend or girlfriend is trying to make, make excuses for them. No, no, no. They just, they didn't mean, no, they're showing you who they are. Right. And uh, so believe it. And you're, you're saying that, but you, that goes true for yourself as well, that, you know, if this is not who you really are, then, uh, you know, you got to be true to yourself. So believe yourself. I mean, we all have multiple, I might have more than, more than others admittedly, but we all have multiple voices in our head, right? We all have the person we project to be. I mean, you have another dimension because you're also public, you know, right. You do a show. Um, but we all have who we present ourselves to be in public, who we present ourselves to, to our family and friends. And then we have this other guy, this other woman inside who is, are the person that we have conversations with, with ourselves, if that makes sense. Sure. And, and my point is, we might not be able to act and live according to that voice 1000%, but if we can do it a little bit more, and if we can recognize who that person is, and that's my true self, that's Chuck's true self, Sarah's true self, Johnny's true self, who, who's ever listening to this, Act on that voice a little bit more. Lean into that a little bit more because I think that that's where uh, happiness comes from. I think that's where the true happiness comes from. Not from what society or your family or your wife or your husband wants you to do, but be a little selfish, goddammit. Be a little selfish. Do what you want to do once in a while. That That's, that's sort of uh, what I lean into. And it's you know, not everybody can do that. Some people are stuck. I talk about this all the time. Some people, you know, they got to keep contributing to that 401k. They need that health insurance. They need all kinds of uh, guardrails and they, they want to live in a Nerf world. That's okay. They got kids. They have responsibilities. But damn it, there's a voice in there that that 
wants you to travel. There's a voice in there that wants you to quit your job and be an entrepreneur and take that risk. There's a voice in, in, in there that you know wants you to finally start that fashion brand or that podcast or write that novel or that screenplay. Lean into that a little bit, figure out how you can do that. And I think ultimately, we're all going to be on our deathbed. You've heard, you've heard me say it a million times, Chuck. We only, have got, we only have one life to live here. So at some point, we only have one shot, one roll of the dice. So what the hell are you doing with that shot? No, that's exactly right. Well said. Uh, and I think it all ties together too with, uh, I mean, you say being selfish, but I think if you're seeking your own happiness, that should align with your purpose and your why as to why you're you're doing that and why these things make you happy. And when you're happy and you're fulfilling your purpose, like that's going to spread out into the world. Like if you go into a restaurant and you have lunch and you're, you're feeling, you know, you're living your dream and you're happy, like you're going to tip that waitress more. That's going to make her day better. Then she's going to go home and be like, Hey, I got a really good tip. I'm in a good mood. Like, let me make dinner for you, honey, like their boyfriend or whatever. Like not to be sexist. It could be a, a man making dinner for his wife, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're spreading the joy. You're spreading the, you know, happiness to other people. I agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, you can scratch each other's backs. And if you're a happy person, of course you spread that out into the world. Now I would, I would look at it like this though. Um, Sometimes I do get a little bit negative on this topic, but I like to be shocking and be extreme to wake people up because I have to be shocking and extreme in my own head to wake my own ass up. And I look at it like this. Um, I don't condone alcohol use, um, but have you ever gotten like really drunk with somebody, like somebody that you thought had it all together? They've just got this beautiful life. You know, they drive a BMW. They've got a nice house. They've got a, a sexy wife. They just seem to have it all together, right? They they went on a, a cruise to the Bahamas last year. It's just like you see them on Instagram or Facebook, and you're like, oh my God, this guy, if I could be like 10% of that guy, I would be a success in America. And then you get real hammered with them one night, and you get real drunk, and it gets real weird, and you finally hear Bob's story, and you finally hear about the hardships. You finally hear about the depression. You finally hear about the medication he's on. You finally hear about how his wife has got him in debt up to his ears with credit cards. You finally hear about how his kids are failing in school or whatever the whatever it is. So whatever they put out there into the world and project isn't necessarily the truth. And then at the end of the night, you finally start hearing from Bob's second voice, his real voice internally. And you finally get to the truth of it that Bob is not leading the life that he wished he could. And Bob is stuck. I could use another word, but I won't. Bob is stuck. Fuck, Bob, you can swear, I don't care. Because Bob is fucked. Because yeah. Bob has made decisions along the way that he thought were the right decisions. He thought it was right to take the corporate job. He thought it was right to sign that contract. He thought it was right to get married. He thought it was right to have two kids. He thought it was right to get a mortgage at 8%. But now Bob's fucked because he can't live the life he wants to lead. So I just, I'm trying to speak to younger. Oh, you froze. People in anyone, listen to your conscience because that, that voice is going to tell you your own truth. You froze uh, for a second. Uh-oh. Everything okay? Yeah. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. I think it's better now. We good. Yep. It just froze up for a second. Hopefully that was a temporary so, thing. So just lean into that. Listen. 
So my message is just to lean into that. Make sure you're listening to your own voice. Don't always listen to America's voice, to culture's voice, to Taylor Swift, to whoever you follow. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. And then that's where real truth and happiness comes from. Yeah. And uh, I mean, because I think that one of the things that for me, at least, kind of wakes you up sometimes to that is when somebody close to you dies and you experienced that recently. Your, your brother passed away a year and a half, very young, your younger brother, right? It was like cancer. I mean, what happened there? That's just so random that, uh, so, I mean, it sounds like it wasn't like a, you know, when people, younger people try to die, it's usually an accident, like a, a drug overdose, a car accident. I mean, this was cancer and someone in their thirties. That's just crazy. You know, I, and actually, uh, as a, as an interview show host, I applaud you for bringing that up because a lot of people don't want to bring up certain things. Uh, yeah. You know, the truth is you, you talked about a change in my relationship status, a change in my job status, um, a lot of different due to the death of my brother. And that, that was because of, I always said this thing at the end of my shows and I would preach to all my friends, you've only got one life to live. We're doing it right now in that moment. It's right now. This is, you know, 2024. It's our last time ever to live. January 2024. We have to do something. Um, just one one roll of the dice, man. And I would always say that. I would say it. One life, one life, one life. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I was full of shit because I wasn't living my one life. I thought I was, but I really wasn't until I experienced the death of a of a brother. And then I realized, oh my gosh, you know, this thing is very fragile. This thing we call life. You know, I always thought, oh, I could get it in. By the time I'm 70, I'll get it all in. Well, shit, I'm I'm older. I'm 38 now. He died at 35. So, you know, the clock is ticking, boys and girls. The clock is ticking. So I think instead of just talking about it, you got to be about it. I mean, who's Jimmy Johnson, right? You're going to walk the walk. You got to talk. If you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. And that's what we have to do. We have to actually listen to that second voice in our head and start acting on that. Because when you experience the death and when you experience grief and you experience somebody in your family or a close friend that has passed away, especially young, you all of a sudden realize that you're also going to die. You're also going to die. I don't know when. I don't know when you're going to die, Chuck. I don't know when I'm going to die. But I do know one thing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen for sure. So if you wake up every day and put your feet on the ground while you're brushing your teeth and you just say to yourself, oh man, uh, I hope it's not my last day, but if it is, I'm going to go hard today. I'm going to make someone happy. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to hug and kiss the ones I love. I'm going to go make a nice meal. I'm going to plan a trip. Whatever that is, do those things more often because like I said, man, we're all going to be on our deathbed someday. We're all going to be there. That's the only thing. It's taxes and death, baby. That's the only two things we know for sure. And uh, right. I don't like taxes and I don't like death, but if they're inevitable, then you better get your ass prepared. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, I think, you know, things like that sometimes, uh, you know, try to find a purpose or a, a reason for, for terrible tragedies like that. And sometimes I think that's the reason for it is kind of wake us up. Like you said, like wake your own head up and and go, Hey, this is what I need to do. But, um, I mean, I will say too, that some of the things that you've done, you know, even from when you uh, left your first corporate job and started working for radio, 
you've done some great stuff. You've interviewed some amazing guests, uh, Jeremy Piven and Jake Paul and Shaq and Rob Schneider. Uh, talk about uh, drinking tequila with Eva, uh, Eva Longoria. Well, from what I can remember, uh, <laughs> Longoria is awesome. She is such a cool woman. Uh, a lot of these people, as you know, Chuck, like they're just humans. They're just people like us, but they have a, a media face and then they have a public in-person face when you meet them. And then they have a whole nother face of the type of human they really are behind the scenes. The sense I got with Miss Longoria is that she only has one face and one personality. And that's just a cool, badass chick. Um, and a girl that uh, probably can drink more tequila than I can at, at one sitting, which is really awesome. She's just a really, you know, a lot of people you meet and you're like, okay, so someone's been on a reality show or they're an actress or they, they're really beautiful and they've been a model. What I realize is a lot of the times is they're really smart. They're really business savvy. They're not just there because they're beautiful or because they can sing or because they can act. There's a lot of beautiful people in this world. There's a lot of people that can sing. There's a, I've, there was a singer, I live in Old Town Scottsdale on this bridge over here the other day that I was like, how is that dude not signed to a label? Probably because he's a shitty business person. He doesn't know how to make connections or relationships, right? Uh, that's the difference between him and Elton John, who knows how to make relationships and knows how to build a career, knows how to invest in himself and put people around him. So for a lot of these people, you know, you mentioned Longoria and Shaq and Jeremy Piven, they're just smart. They're smooth operators. Of course, they're talented. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they're just smart people. You know, Shaq wouldn't be Shaq. Shaq would be a great basketball player. He's a big dude, seven foot, the whole thing. But he's Shaquille O'Neal. He's Shaq. He's a he's a legend forever because of what he's done off the court. That's why he's a legend. Because he's an American icon. Because of what he's done off the court. Because he's really smart. And it's the same with Longoria. Whether it's beauty products or tequila products or her um, travel show on CNN and all of this stuff, it's because... She's really smart. She hustles. She works hard and she gets it. And it is the game. She knows how to play the game. And a lot of people just don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> I'm trying to learn. It's hard. I mean, it's I feel like a lot of it is trial and error. And you talk about like the singer that, you know, he doesn't know how to play the game. But I think that's okay. I think there's a lot of musicians and, and actors and people who don't know, but they have a manager or somebody else that does it for them. That's part of making the right relationships. That's part of answering yeah. emails and following up and making sure the right guy or gal is in your corner, making sure you're surrounding yourself around the same the type of people that you want to be like. But I don't think it's okay for the guy sitting out in the cold with uh, you know, gloves on that are that are cut off at the fingertips so he can play his guitar. He's freezing his butt off out there. He's got an amazing voice. He just doesn't know how to play the game. Or maybe he's got a substance abuse issue, or maybe he has, uh, going back to, you know, maybe he's got kids at home that he has to feed and he can't travel to LA and go try to get a record deal or go to New York. Maybe he can't do that. He can't live out of his car. Maybe he has responsibilities. I don't know their stories. All I know is the difference between someone that's a multi-gazillionaire and ultra successful is not just talent and beauty. It's relationships, it's business, and it's knowing how to play the game. Yeah. Well, and what about Jake Paul? I know he's definitely hit a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube a long time ago. He's one of the biggest YouTubers. You interviewed him, right? He He's the best. I'm glad you brought up Jake. He's the best example of what we're talking about. 
I know a million dudes back east that are big, burly guys that can throw a punch, that are that have got a chin, that are handsome, that could uh, do what Jake Paul has done. I only know one Jake Paul. I only know one guy that knows how to look you in the eye, that knows how to shake your hand, that knows how to be in a room with influencers doing shots of uh, a Patron and also being in a room of, of billionaire executives selling himself to Disney. This guy knows how to play the game. He is the game, whether it's uh, sports, whether it's gambling, whether it's TV, whether it's being a, uh, 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 some kind of a troll online. He knows how to play the game. And when you're around Jake Paul, you realize that he has a team. He has an entourage. He's got multiple publicists. He's got security. He's got his boys, but they all have a purpose. They're not just there collecting a paycheck. They all have a purpose. And that purpose is Team Jake Paul prop him up. And a lot of, you know, the Tate brothers as well, Jake and, and his brother, they, they sort of feed off each other. So they sort of have whether one's dominant or the other's dominant, the same with the Tate brothers love them or hate them, business-wise, genius what they've done because we all know their name, right? Are you talking they, about like Andrew Tate? or? Yeah, yeah. And, and they they play off each other and these people, whether it's the Tates or the Pauls, they have teams around them and they know the game. Jake Paul's not a jerk. You know how many people say, oh, I don't know, why would you interview that jerk? He's such a jerk. Look what he wrote online. He's not a jerk. He's just, there's a reason you know his name and he knows how to play the game online and sometimes that means being a troll Sometimes that means being controversial, and sometimes that means being able to sit down at a $500 a plate dinner and selling yourself to executives and getting angel investors. He can do all of that. Not just taking a punch, not just being goofy, not just being a handsome guy that girls like. He can do all of it, man. He's a business executive and an influencer and a boxer, world-class athlete, and he's one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of, of hanging out with. Was he the one that raided our mall or was it his brother? I believe that was him, allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, yeah. so he hasn't admitted it or whatever? But those well, I think he has. Know. I think he has, yeah. So what Again, was that a calculated business move? Because that kind of pissed me off. Uh, that was absolutely calculated, number one. Number two, he, if you remember back to that, uh, and you're you're referring to the Fashion Square Mall in Scottsdale during the BLM riots when they smash windows and they went in and they were, um, you know, rioting and raiding the stores or whatever they were doing. Yeah. He went in and he was live streaming it. Of course that's calculated because guess what? People hated him for that. But I'll tell you what, I know 15 people personally that never heard the name Jake Paul. Then I went into work the next day. Guess what? They all know who Jake Paul was and they still do. And now they buy his fights and now they root, they root for him to lose. <laughs> so that's in my small circle. How yeah. many, Hundreds of thousands of people before he live streamed that knew who he was, didn't know who he was that know now. Of course it's calculated, yeah. right? Any publicity is good publicity. Well, it's so crazy because I think that was definitely one of the moments where I started to get involved with the news and, and the world and the and politics and all that stuff. I never really paid attention to the news. I mean, I knew like the basic things. I watched like, you know, the presidential debates every four years or whatever, but I did not have the level of interest in that kind of stuff as I do now. And I remember a lot of it too, was a started, it was on my birthday in 2020. It was like, we were out, I was hanging out with you and it was on my birthday. And you said, I think we're going to, I think they're going to lock down 
the country. I think they're going to, that's what they're doing in Italy. And that's what they're doing over here. And I think they're going to lock things down and you're not, this might be the last time we hang out for a long time. And I was like, I was thinking in my head, I was like, oh, you know, that might be okay to lock down for like a couple weeks or something. Had no idea it was going to be months and months and months. I mean, it really just changed so many things. Like, I don't know if you say that, like I woke up or whatever, but I felt like I woke up. I started paying attention to the news, what was going on. I mean, did that have that kind of impact for you or you were already kind of into the politics and stuff? I was already into it, but I, you know, I kind of knew how the game is played and how this works. And you never let a good tragedy go to waste. That's the way these politicians think. And I'm not talking about either side. I'm talking about all sides. You never let a good tragedy go to waste. So, uh, you know, a good old fashioned emergency. Well, hell, what can we get out of this? That's the way they look at it. And, you know, I was talking about, I remember, you know, when, pre when Vice President Pence flew in uh, Sky Harbor Airport, I was at his press conference. I was sitting right there, front row. I got the first question. He was there with Dr. Burks. I got then Governor Ducey. I got the first question. This was before anyone was talking about a, a vaccine or that we were going to make a vaccine or, you know, all that stuff. And I asked him, I said, if there's a vaccine for this thing, how the heck are you going to sell this to the American people? How are you going to ensure that it's safe? A mass scale, hundreds of millions of people vaccine, let alone the whole world. How are you going to sell this if this is really what you need to stop this pandemic? And you just saw the little twinkle in Governor Ducey's eye. And you saw the little mannerism, the little uh, flick of a, of a wrist and an elbow of, of Pence. Because he knew that I was getting to the conversations they were having privately. Project Warp Speed. We're going to have this damn vaccine. How are we going to sell this to the American people? But anyways, yeah. So, you know, just the politics. The I mean, the world, I feel like the world has been crazy. Like it progressively has gotten crazier and crazier. And uh, I mean, you can blame the Republicans or the Democrats or whatever, this politician or that pro politician. But I feel like just the scope of the world has changed a lot in this country and probably worldwide in the last five to 10 years, more drastically than anything in our lifetime. It, it has gotten crazier and crazier. And I, I don't blame Democrats. I don't blame Republicans. I think that there is a, an obvious deep state. There is an obvious cabal or Illuminati or um, elites. I don't care how you want to label these people, but they're out there. They're, they're pulling the strings. Um, they're puppet masters. They are the ones that are making the decisions uh, about the future of the world. And um, unfortunately, it's not always our elected officials. It's not always your local congresswoman or congressman or senator. It is actually people in Washington that are very, very, very powerful. And I think if you paid attention to the leaked audio that Carrie Lake exposed uh, this week, actually, Chuck, you'll see that, you know, there's the former head of the Republican Party of Arizona trying to bribe a candidate to just go away for a couple of years. I mean, what the hell is that? And who are these powerful people, quote unquote, back east in Washington, D.C., that are bribing candidates to go away? And if that's not so bad and if that's not illegal, what else are they doing to current elected officials? When they want something for their lobby, for their gun lobby, when they want a, a certain bill passed, when they want a certain bill to go away, what are they doing to current politicians that we voted in? 
Well, yeah. Right? How long has this been going on? Because I feel like this stuff has probably been going on a very long time. It's just a lot harder to hide it now because there's cameras everywhere. There's audio everywhere. There's, there's live streaming, there's Twitter, there's social media, like ev there's so many media outlets. Everybody's a YouTuber. Everybody's a podcaster. Everyone's spilling the beans. Everyone's doing interviews. So it's really hard to keep a secret anymore. And interesting that Carrie Lake decided to record that conversation. I don't know if she knew that's what it was going to be about. Um, but yeah, what is your take on that whole thing? Like, uh, why do you think she recorded that first of all? And then who do you think are these powerful people? Carrie Lake records everything. Carrie Lake is always mic'd up. Don't forget Carrie Lake is a former media person. Okay. Number one, number two, Carrie Lake understands the internet. Carrie Lake's people understand social media. Carrie Lake understands the importance of going viral. Carrie Lake understands the importance of walking off a Australia 60 Minutes interview. She understands the importance of calling CNN fake news when she has a mic on her that's perfect audio. Carrie Lake is always mic'd up. So for Jeff DeWitt, the former head of the GOP who has since resigned, for him to not at least have an inkling into that, if I do, then he definitely should. I don't care if it's in her personal home. I don't care where the conversation's taking place. She's always mic'd up. And there's a reason for that, because now you're going to see what happened, what she exposed. To your second question, who are these people? You can listen to my latest episode of my show, Show Up Arizona with Billy Harfosh. And I interview Kevin Jackson, who's a former Fox News contributor. And he knows these people. He knows all the inner workings, the machine in Washington. My opinion is... Uh, it's corporate America, it's mainstream media, and it's career politicians. And all these people know each other. They run the super PACs, they run the lobbyists, and they own our country. They own our country. And, and I think people from both parties and independents alike need to let that sink in. There are powerful people that own us, in a sense, because they're making our laws. They're telling us what we can and we can't do. It, it's not just the people we elected, those people are being clearly being influenced. And from the conversations I've had, some public, some private in the last 48 to 72 hours, I now realize that the swamp goes much deeper than I had thought even a couple of days ago, much deeper. And it's much darker and it's much more murky and it's downright dangerous. It's dangerous. Well, yeah. And I think I see, I don't understand all the laws and how corporations get around the monopoly laws. Like I don't, let's take for instance, BlackRock. I mean, that's a company that probably most people have not heard of it. People know Microsoft, people know Amazon, but I don't think a lot of people understand how much of the world of our country is owned by BlackRock and the CEO, Larry Fink. And if you look at his, um, you know, political alignment and, and, and how the country has changed and how much BlackRock, how, the, how much they've grown and how much power they've gained I mean, they own so many different, um, they have their hands in so many different kinds of uh, businesses. And now they're trying to do, uh, they're owning houses. They're trying to own residential homes. It's going to be hard to, for younger people, especially to own a home because companies, corporations like BlackRock, they're buying up the homes and then they're going to rent it out. And, uh, I mean, people talk about like, oh, democratic, uh, socialism and things like, you know. Uh, Switzerland and those kinds of countries, a lot of those countries, people do not own a house. Like they're slaves to the bank. 
and they they have to pay loans to the bank for their house, their car, and pretty they never end up owning things. Where in America it used to be, yeah, you you know you pay your mortgage for thirty years, but then you'd own the house. But I mean, the way things are going, it's like no one's going to be able to buy a house because BlackRock's just going to come in and they're going to outbid you. Isn't BlackRock, isn't Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, Microsoft, Google, aren't they just another wing of the federal government in a sense? Like we, we have another branch of government now in 2024, and it's the the corporate wing. It's the corporate branch. You know, these people, these people via super PACs, they donate to campaigns. They get people elected. They get people thrown out of office because they're not pushing the proper policies that they agree with. So you bring up BlackRock. BlackRock is just the United States government. They're so powerful. They control so much money that uh, they might be more powerful than the United States government. I didn't even, you know, we don't have to go there because there's a lot of things happening in the world, but you know, do some reading on the military industrial complex, do some reading on Halliburton, do some reading on some of those companies. And then you can start tying that into some of the wars in history. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not relating that to what's happening in, in uh, Gaza and Israel or in, you know, the Russia-Ukraine war as well. But there is some truth to these companies, these corporations being in bed with the government, whether it's the uh, military uh, um, arms what manufacturers, whether it's uh, pharmaceuticals, whether it's real estate, whether it's Wall Street, they're just another wing of the United States government, Chuck. That's well, all yeah, this I mean, is. People, uh, you know, it's not like when we give the money to Ukraine, you know, you hear this like, oh, we gave another 20 billion to Ukraine or whatever. It's not like we're just giving them a check and then they just, you know, use it like to rebuild or whatever. Like it's basically filtered money that goes through our military, uh, companies, right? I mean, aren't we providing the weapons and stuff? And so like, yeah, the, the military companies in the U S are getting that money and then sending the equipment and things to Ukraine. Am I, am I wrong on that? You're correct in a sense. Yeah. It's not like we're just dropping piles of cash or just giving them a blank check. Yeah. In a sense, it's being funneled through American corporations. So their back is funneled, getting that's, that's a good word for it. Yeah. That's basically yeah, how it's what's happening. That's right. Their back is getting scratched, but we saw what happened in Afghanistan with our equipment and our, our military and our arms there. What happens? God forbid, forbid, you see right now this morning, I was watching uh, Karine Jean-Pierre there. What happens if the funding for Ukraine dries up from NATO and from the United States, most importantly, and God forbid Ukraine loses that war? Well, what happens to all those arms? What happens to all of that money? What happens to the missiles and the ammunition and the infrastructure and everything that we've given them. What happens if Ukraine loses that war? Then Russia the would do it all. The same thing that happened in Afghanistan with our withdrawal. N nobody wants to think ahead. You know, it's just uh -huh. like what's happening in Gaza right now. Well, okay, we understand there was a terrible terrorist attack on October 7th. We get it. We're going to support our strongest historical ally, Israel. But then what? Then what? What do you do with those people? What does Gaza become? What do you do with the Palestinians? Like there's no, it's like, and even, even Kirby, they asked him like a couple of days after, okay, so is it going to be a two-state solution? Is Israel going to control it? Is it going to be some kind of a, a global military occupation of these people in this land? Well, it, it's too early to tell. Okay. 
really? You don't have any kind of plan? You haven't thought this out? Like if shit were to hit the fan over there once again, you know, what is this, what's going to be agreed upon to do with these people, to help these people? None of the other Arab nations, you don't see Egypt, you don't see Jordan, you don't see any of those countries opening their beautiful doors to these people. So there's no solution. There's, there's never a solution. Why? Because a lot of these people want it to prolong. They want to keep it going. Why hasn't President Biden gotten on Air Force One, flown right into Moscow, locked himself in a room with Putin and said, listen, enough. Enough death, enough destruction. I understand we got problems with NATO. We came too close. Well, you've done this. You invaded a, 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 a democratic country. We're going to lock ourselves in this room until we get a solution. Now, maybe that's a little extreme, but I'm just saying, what about a little bit of, of peace? How about some, some talking? How about some, some sort of getting these people in a room and sitting down and hashing this out instead of just more weapons, more checks, more death, more destruction? It, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Diplomacy, diplomacy should be first, should always be first. I and right now, 100%. I see diplomacy. I think most Americans are getting sick of this. They're getting sick of this another war. A, a proxy war, whatever you want to call it, we're, we're you know, like we're we're funding these the these wars. You know, maybe we don't have American soldiers there, but we're giving money, and and we have a lot of issues here. I mean, that's what I'm more worried about. Our country, there's a lot of countries that are struggling, and not just uh, these aren't the only wars going on in the world. I mean, there's wars in Africa that nobody talks about that have been going on that are probably much more barbaric and graphic, and uh, those are just not getting the press or whatever. But we're not helping. How about the wars in our cities? When's the last yeah. time you've been to Baltimore? When's the last time you've been to uh, Chicago or, hey, or Detroit? Drive down the street, go to downtown Phoenix. Dri drive down uh, where I live on Thomas Road. If I keep going west far enough, I mean, it looks like uh, a war zone down there. I mean, there's just like chaos and there's zombies. Yeah, they got yeah. they got they got zombies. They got uh, uh, needles coming out of their their damn arms. There's wars on our own streets. Yeah, you know, and and just real quick on the international thing. Why does it seem, and this is the question that I, I would pose to you and to your audience. If you're going to come back on, you know, hit me for what I'm going to say. I'm just a simple question. Why does it seem like diplomacy is on the back burner in all of these situations? I'm speaking on international policy. Why does it seem like diplomacy is on the back burner? Ask yourself that. Because it doesn't make any money. I, I didn't There's answer no, it. I just asked the question. That's, that's, my, that's my opinion. I mean, I just feel like there's no money to be made with diplomacy. There is money to be made with war. There's a lot of money to be made. There's some, some companies got very wealthy after September 11th, when we went to the Middle East. Uh, some of these companies that make weapons, uh, they did very well after that. Oh, they're already lining up in Washington. They're already starting uh, uh, shell companies to rebuild Ukraine. That's already happening. And that's factual. That's not just, that's factual. There's people that are already, what do you think they did in Iraq? You know how many people made gazillions of dollars in Iraq, Americans, companies, because they went over there to rebuild Iraq? They're doing the same thing in Ukraine. Yeah. They're already lining up. It's sad because like you said, I would love to rebuild America. I feel like it, it's falling apart. I'll never forget too. I mean, this was before, again, I really got in, involved in the politics and stuff, but I do remember the first time I went back home to my, uh, where I'm from in Seattle. 
and I was driving to a Seahawks game and I looked over and I saw these like blue tarps and I thought, I thought there was like a, an event going on, like a, a fair or something. And it was like, no, these are just homeless encampments, which was not a word 10 years ago. If, if somebody said, Hey, you see that homeless encampment? You'd be like, what are you talking about? And now they're, they're not just in Seattle. Now they're in Phoenix. They're, they're everywhere. They're almost every major city. And even into the suburbs, like when I was living in North Phoenix, there was some homeless people that camped out in front, just across the street from my house. I was like, and that's when I decided to to move out of North Phoenix. But I mean, it's, and it's even in Scottsdale, it's down the street. I see people, homeless people uh, pushing their shopping cart. I mean, it, it's a crisis here. I, I, I don't know 100% what the solution is, but I feel like it's should be like our number one, one of our number one, uh, top five, at least top three biggest issues we should be dealing with. I mean, maybe shave just a little bit of our military budget or our uh, green energy initiatives and just take a little bit of cash and put it into American cities and and uh, rural See, communities. But I suffering. feel like there's already money going. I don't think money is the issue I, because I mean, if I, I interviewed a guy, uh, you should have him on actually, Art Castro. He he does a channel. It's called Lost in Phoenix on YouTube. It's got a ton of subscribers and he interviews all these homeless and you can watch the interviews. It's just interviews with homeless kids and there's tons of them and they're almost all the same. They're all addicted to fentanyl. A majority majority are addicted to fentanyl or some sort of drug, similar drug, heroin, something, you know, they call it uh, doing blues, which I, again, five years ago, I would have said like the blues, like the music. No, these are blues or blue pills. They're fentanyl pills. And they're really cheap and they get addicted and they want to live on the street. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I guess you could, you could buy housing and put them in a house, but they're still going to do the fentanyl pills. So that doesn't really solve the problem to me. To me, it's like, I think you got to kind of, unfortunately, tough love. You got to crack the whip and you got to start cracking down on the drugs. Like not just people dealing, but the people using and saying, you can't use fentanyl and just piss your life away into the toilet. You're going to go to jail. You're going to get cleaned up. Uh, we care about you. We actually care about you. We do not want you to piss your life away. We're not going to enable you. We're not going to pass out free crack pipes and all this shit and free uh, clean needles and stuff. No, we're going to say you're not allowed to do drugs, hard drugs. I mean, yeah, marijuana is legal. Uh, alcohol is legal in America. And I think people can use those responsibly. I don't think you can use fentanyl responsibly. Call me, call me far right. But that's my opinion. No, I no, I agree with you. Look, there's a lot of problems in our country, and we, we didn't even get into mental health issues and socioeconomic issues, and and also, you know, we're a big country. You know, I've I've traveled a lot, and you don't see the things that we have, the problems we have in places, you know, in, in Europe and stuff as much, um, because we're a big country. And when you have a huge, huge hundreds of millions of people sample size, you're going to get some incredible creative. Um, world changing types. And then you're going to have another percentage of the population that unfortunately is on the streets, addicted to drugs and has fallen through the cracks. And it's a sad thing. Um, we're a wild lot, man. We're wild people. Look at our history. We yeah. came over on boats for, for, we didn't even know we were, we were going, you know, for right. dreams and hopes and dreams and all kinds of stuff. We didn't know. It's a wild people. Those are our descendants. True. But I mean, in my lifetime, even, I feel like it's changed drastically. I mean, yeah, we always had homeless people. I remember going to Seahawks games as a kid and, and there'd be a homeless guy, you know, like I remember there was one guy that would like play the tuba, like after Seahawks games, I think they called him, I think his name was tuba man. He was like a homeless guy and, and everybody loved him. He played the tuba. I mean, he might've had an alcohol issue. I don't know, but like you did not see these just rows and rows of, of uh, homeless encampments. 
and and nobody doing anything about it. I mean, that just didn't exist 20, even probably 10, 15 years ago. It did not exist. And it seems like it's growing. And I mean, at what point do we say, wow, this is a problem. We actually need to do something. It's a major problem. And unfortunately, with issues like this, Chuck, there's uh, there's no great answer. If there was an easy solution, we'd already have it. I mean, you, I mentioned the the finances throwing money at it for resources, but you know, you you're right. I mean, you're right. You can't throw money at everything, and that hasn't worked. Look at how much money California's put into it, um, billions of dollars with a B, and, and they have one of the worst problems in the whole country. So the homeless is a problem. The border is a problem. The crime, the gun violence in our cities, the mass shootings. We have a lot of problems in this country. Um, and I just, you know, I'm not an isolationist, um, but I'm becoming more and more someone politically speaking. Uh, let's figure out our problems in our backyard before we start exporting all kinds of money and solutions. Well, you know, and I think I, that there's definitely the problems in our backyard. And, and I'll, I'll speak of my experience working in the schools because I, I worked in the schools. I was a counselor for 17 years. So I worked with a variety of families. I worked with some of the, you know, the richest people that like the guy that, uh, uh, what's the guy that created uh spawn and, uh, uh, McFarlane toys, you know, the comic book, like his kids went to the, the school that I worked at. And so like the, obviously that the, they were doing fine, their family's well off, but I worked with, uh, uh, I mean, just people that are really struggling single, a lot of single parent families were really struggling. A lot of Americans are struggling. And I'm just, I saw it get progressively worse in the 17 years I worked in the schools. It, it seemed like, um, just kids struggling, family struggling, kids, just not caring. And I think all these issues are, are related because I feel like it, it comes down to, for me, I feel like everyone has a purpose in this world, right? Like we talked about that a little bit at the beginning, you know, like you want to be happy, you want to live your life, but also like you should have a purpose that serves not only yourself, but the world, the, the greater good, you know, that, and and when you're just trying to live your life just for yourself to be selfish, I feel like uh, that hurts people. And then you end up getting hurt yourself because you feel like you don't have a purpose. So you're like, well, I guess I'll just, uh, you know, do fentanyl pills or whatever. That all sounds good. It sounds like a nice little poem and everything. But the truth <laughs> is, as you know, I mean, you, you you talk to real people and real young people that are lost and they're in bad family situations and bad neighborhoods. It, yeah. What's your purpose to the world? I mean, they're, they're just going to look at you cross-eyed. I mean, it's a, it's an irrelevant question. They're just trying to get their next fix. They're just trying to get their next drink, their next meal, keep a roof over the head, a little food on the table, and uh, you know, just keep on living. Not everybody has the perspective that you have. Um, you know, and it's a sad thing. Like I said, there's some problems that do not have simple answers, and maybe there is no answer because there's always going to be a percentage of our population here in this country, just looking at numbers, that falls through the cracks. And I agree, it's gotten worse and it's getting worse and the crime is getting worse. Uh, we got to do what we can do to, to help uh, curb those numbers. But unfortunately, man, there's there's always going to be people that slip through the cracks and um, they're going to live way live the way that they choose. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like if that's something that, that I would have liked to have worked on in the schools is teaching kids a purpose, teaching them goal setting and those kinds of things and motivational speakers. I mean, you look at like, I don't know if, uh, I think I have the book behind me here uh, with David Goggins. I mean, you look at a guy like that, he's so motivating. Now, I'm not saying everyone should be David Goggins cause he goes a little crazy, but if, even if you had, you know, 10, 20% David Goggins goal setting, I want to do this. 
this is my purpose. You know, if we all taught kids, I mean, not every kid's going to, going to rise to that occasion, but if we at least try to help kids and not only kids, there's a lot of adults who got lost and fell through the cracks and got lost in the system. If we could work with those adults and get them to figure out their purpose. I mean, there might be people who are 65 years old who never found their purpose, but maybe they could find it at 65 and contribute something to the world. And I think if we're all doing that, then we're, we're going to help each other out. But right now it's just like, we're everyone's just going in each other's throats and trying to I get agree. the best for, for themselves and, and screw everybody else. And, and I'll screw you over. And our politicians are a great example of this. You see what, look at what's going on in Texas. I mean, you know, that the, the governor of Texas is trying to protect the border. Biden's saying, no, you need to keep the border open and they're fighting each other. And they both think that they're right. And they can't work together. It's just like you said, Biden, why isn't he on a, a plane to go over and talk to Putin and try to work this out? He's not going to try. It doesn't sound like he's trying to work things out with the governor of Texas either. So I don't know. And I'm not saying if we switch presidents, it's going to be any better. Uh, you know, it just seems like this is the way of the world right now. And I don't know what's going to change it. It's not cool to like work things out and be diplomatic. It's cool to start wars. It's cool to start fights. It's cool to troll things on Twitter. It's cool to get that sound bite that says, fuck you, you son of a bitch. You know, that's cool. That's going to get the hits. Uh, trying to be nice, trying to be diplomatic, trying to make peace. That doesn't sell. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you what you just said, I think is one of the major negative products of Donald Trump. I do. Because I think that this this dunking online and this uh, this nastiness and this you know you hit me I'll hit you ten times harder uh, type of mentality I I, don't, I think that that has trickled down for lack of a better term um, through our culture um, and I think Donald Trump has done some really really great things um, I think some of his policies were actually really great and I specifically foreign policies. And I think some of his um, his personality traits and the way he does business, unfortunately, have trickled down through our culture. And not only politically speaking, but just in general, man, in general, it's just so nasty out there. And now all these politicians, right or left, they want to be like Donald Trump. They want to show strength. They want to. I mean, listen, you look at Ruben Gallego. Ruben Gallego is running against Kerry Lake uh, in the Senate race, amongst others, cinema. And he's like a liberal Donald Trump. Follow him on Twitter. He he swears. He's this. He's that. You know. He's he's tough, but he's got to be tough because he's going up against a woman that's also tough. He's got to show strength because all of a sudden, people that aren't nasty for some reason aren't perceived to be intelligent or strong or tough. Um, and I think if we had a little bit more kumbaya and a little bit more peace and a little bit more uh you know like uh, kennedy would do or reagan would do and sit down and pour the scotch and there's no cameras and no microphones and just kind of talk it out among you know sitting amongst a, a a fire or something i think that would be great for us all of us you know i love talking to people that don't agree with me you probably know a couple months ago i had on the QAnon shaman right he was the guy with the with the horns and he uh you know he stormed the capitol and he, Oh, you broke up again. All right. So as you probably know, a couple of months ago, I had on the QAnon shaman, right? This is the guy with the horns. He sort of became the face of January 6th, the insurrection. He stormed the Capitol. The guy was convicted. The guy did his time. And I couldn't believe the hate 
that I got for sitting down and having a conversation with another American, with another human. To me, I, I couldn't understand why that was so bad. I believe in freedom of speech. I believe he committed a crime. He did the time. And, you know, the way you fight bad speech is with better speech. And you're able to talk to people and influence people and share your opinions instead of this canceling and, and, and deplatforming. You know, I, I got in trouble for saying a while back, saying that, yeah, I would sit down and interview OJ Simpson. I would. Because I, I want, I don't think he's going to admit to me uh, whether he did or didn't commit those murders, but I would like to at least get in his head. I'd like to at least find out how you're living your life. And if you really did this, how can you still wake up in the morning? And, and will you ever have a come to Jesus moment later in life where you just admit what you did and, and somehow make it right? I would have those conversations. I, I don't think there's any problem with that. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like there's kind of like a um, discrimination against people who are conservative. And I, I, the, the, the term far right gets thrown around a lot. I think that you've been labeled far right, which I, I don't think you're far right. Uh, I, maybe I'm going to be labeled far right just for having you on because I feel like uh, you had the QAnon on Shaman uh, on. So that must mean you're far right. And then I had you on. So then I'm far right. It's like, I don't even know what that means anymore. But what what is your take on far right? Because when I think of far right, I think to me, that's like, Jerry Falwell, uh, remember that guy? Like he was like saying the Teletubby was gay and like, you know, the, the people that are like really far right, like on the, the religious side and that they want to control people through religion and through, uh, religious, uh, things like they would ban gay marriage and stuff like that to me is far right. I don't know that the QAnon shaman is, uh, he would fit into that. I don't think you would fit into that. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they, they do feel that way. Well, a lot of it is guilty by association. You know, I have on uh, the QAnon shaman, and then I have on the sitting secretary of state, Adrian Fontes, who's a Democrat. And then you've also I have interviewed on, Mark Kelly, and uh, you've interviewed tons of Democrats too, right? And, and then the next I have on a uh, candidate for Congress, District 1, probably the most important district in the state of Arizona, a Democrat. You know, I, so it, people just pick and choose. They pick and choose. They say, oh, well, you're having on this person, but not this person. No, that's not true. Um, and you know what? To be truthful, to be truthful, I'd like to get those people in the same room. And, and that's my goal. And, and that's something that I'm hopefully going to be able to achieve. I'd like to get a far right person with a far left person. And let's just sit down, microphones or not, cameras or not. And let's hash it out because we're all Americans. We all love this country, I hope. And we all have opinions. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with talking to other people. You want to label this, you want to label that, that's fine. But when you say that I won't be seen in the same room or I won't have a conversation with this person or that person, you're not doing anything to forward our democracy, our freedom, our rights our country, our culture, you're doing nothing. You know, you're a loser. Stop being a loser. Talk to people, talk to people you disagree with. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I've listened to uh, several of your interviews. I, I listened to the one with Mark Kelly and uh, I thought you did a good job on that one. And, uh, and then you had the interview with Carrie Lake. And then I think, didn't you say you got taken down like 20 minutes later or something? <laughs> yeah. I got taken down because, because I, why? I don't know. 
we weren't, she wasn't inciting violence. There, there was nothing going on. Why? Well, we all know why, because big tech is a wing of the federal government, because social media is a wing of the federal government, just like the pharmaceutical companies, just like uh, all of them, just like BlackRock. Yeah, they definitely have a uh, an interest. So what do you think? We talk far left. We talk, we talk far right. What do you feel about okay. like a wing of, that's what, what's that? I just said, when the federal government says, jump off a bridge, then these companies jump off a bridge. Right. They definitely have a lot of power. But what, what, how do you feel about the more moderate people like RFK? I mean, he's running as an independent now. I feel, I feel like some people say, they say, oh, he's just a, he's a Democrat. He's, he's, he's far left. I'm like, I feel like he is pretty moderate. What, what is your take on him? Uh, I'm sure you've heard some interviews that he's done. Well, number one, I do love his voice. I think it makes him sound uh, like a badass. I got over his <laughs> voice. You know, I had people in the beginning, uh, very uh, high-level political people saying, ah, oh, he'll never be able to gain any traction because I can't even stand listening to him because of his voice. Well, I've got over his voice. I've listened to him enough. Uh, number two, he seems like an old-school politician. He seems like a guy that's not in it for himself. He seems like a guy that's speaking his truth. Is he right on everything? Probably not, but he's speaking his truth. He seems like a legit, legit guy. And he also seems like someone that the deep state attacks. And um, that makes you wonder why, because maybe he's onto something about a lot of his uh, vaccines and medical issues and environmental issues. And, you know, then he almost got labeled like right wing in some ways, like right wing, or he was a little bit. Well, he gets right. labeled, a, he gets labeled an anti vaxxer, which he right. said repeatedly. He's not an anti-vaxxer. He is pro-vaccine. He just would like better standards for the vaccines that we have to make sure that they are safe and they meet the highest quality, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I feel like he wants to raise the standards uh, for a lot of things, not just the vaccines, but pharmaceuticals and, uh, you know, safety with, you know, he talks about the radiation from cell phones. Like, I think people kind of don't want to talk about that and they want to ignore that, but there could be some issues there, you know? And it's like, these are issues that he wants to uh, talk about and it's pretty ballsy, but I think it comes to me. It, it seems like it comes from a place of love. Like he actually cares about people and he wants people to be safe. Uh, I don't think he's in it for the money. I don't, I don't know how much money is involved in, in that in uh, fighting companies uh, and, and making these claims. I don't, it's probably to me, it's more of a risk. So I don't, he seems like a stand-up guy. I don't know. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I don't know everything about him. I don't know his whole life story, but the interviews I've watched, it seems like he really cares about people and he wants to do the best for them. So yeah, I, I only agree like it's 5% or so he's not going to win. So I agree with you, but you got to ask yourself, why is he only pulling at whatever percent? You know, I know people that are around him. I know people that are friendly with him. And I think you're exactly like your read is right. I think he's not there for the money. He's not there for the fame. He's got the name, all this stuff. And they label him right wing because of the vaccine talk, but they don't know that he's one of the biggest champions ever for environmental issues. So isn't that left wing? So what is it? Right. They can't put him well, in a the, And now he, you know, he's independent. That, that's the thing that pisses me off because I just feel like there's so many issues now that that I don't like talking politics, but I feel like this stuff is not even politics. You know, like, uh, the environment should not, we're, we should all be want a better environment. We should all want better vaccines. We should, we used to all want border security. I mean, I watched videos in the last two days. I saw Obama and Biden talking about how important border security was. 
And now they don't want a border. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre that these are partisan issues when I feel like these are things that used to, and we used to all not want to be at war too. I feel like that was a thing. Like nobody wanted to go to war. I mean, that was like, that was something I thought we were usually all in agreement on, unless there was something that, I mean, if, you know, obviously like world war two, like you kind of had to, but uh, I mean, now it just seems like these issues have become partisan and it's, it's no, no, you're right. You're exactly right. And I'll tell you what, I don't know the exact number. I don't have it in front of me, but if you look at recent polls, the majority of Americans do not want another Joe Biden presidency and they do not want another Donald Trump presidency. There's a so large percentage what's of What's going to happen? <laughs> so, so no, my question is, is a simple one. Then why isn't Kennedy getting more traction as someone, as an alternative? I, I don't have the answer to that. I know the two party system. I know the two parties are powerful. I know what, you know, the funding and the money and he can't get on a debate stage and et cetera, et cetera. But if the country truly doesn't want Biden and they don't want Trump, well, there's another guy out there with an alternate view who happens to have the most famous last name in American history. Now, that does not give me hope for independence. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy out there that is, he's astute, he's smart, he knows all the right players. He obviously has an incredible uh, uh, family story, the whole thing. He, he's a strong, you know, you saw him with his shirt off on Venice Beach. He's, a, he's got an incredible uh, way about him, yet he can't even get real traction to be a legitimate contender in this election when the majority of the country doesn't want Trump and doesn't want Biden. Well, yeah. And I, I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's, this is just a rumor. Don't, don't uh, flag me for misinformation, but I saw some article that uh, it was, again, it was, I think it was a rumor that Tulsi Gabbard might had, uh, there was talk of her possibly teaming up with RFK jr. Again, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but what would you think of that ticket? Cause then that gives a, him even a little bit more, Oomph, you know, like she's got the name. She was a Democrat. She also left because she felt like the Democratic Party was going too far left. So she, it seems to me like they both left the Democrat Party because they felt like it was too far left. They didn't join the Republicans. So they're, in my opinion, they, they both seem to be pretty moderate. And I feel like that's what a majority of Americans are is moderate. Most are not far right. Most are not far left. So do you think that ticket would uh, sell to America? I, I really like her. I had a chance to talk to her and meet her. Uh, she was actually out here campaigning for Carrie Lake, believe it or not, uh, way back when. Um, Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, this is what I would say. If I was her and I was our RFK, I would do that. I would do it now. I would make a splash because I don't know if Joe Biden and or Donald Trump is going to make it to the finish line here. I don't know. I'm not sure that Biden's even going to run. I'm not sure that Trump is even going to run. I don't know. There's a lot that could happen medically, legally, or otherwise with both of these men. So if I'm sitting out there and I'm a third-party candidate right now, and I've got potential to add a woman to my ticket that's well-respected, that has uh, an alternate view on things, um, that's very well-spoken, charismatic, she got in a debate with Kamala Harris. Can you imagine what would happen? Come on, it would be a bloodbath. Well, I saw that uh, she was in the Democratic debates four years ago, and I, I felt like that's right. I thought she won that whole thing. I don't know why she wasn't the candidate over Biden. I don't even know if she was in the top five, but I thought she did very well. She was very well spoken and um, didn't didn't fly off the handle, which I really she felt she seemed very calm, 
and collected and uh and beautiful too i if i might add yeah, i like that little woman white and, uh, gray streak in her hair but she uh-huh. everything she said made sense to me i was like she's speaking very logically and calmly and rationally this is what we need and Amer- i mean again and i i feel like the issues in america go beyond politics because i don't know that changing the president is really going to make all that big of a difference i mean it definitely couldn't hurt to have somebody more moderate in the white house but i feel like it just goes deeper that you know just like i said before about the the family breakdown and just people just don't give a shit and they're just barely scraping to get by and um i feel like people have just lost their purpose i mean do you think let me ask you this since we're what is it january 2024 yeah early 2024 let's call it do you think let's get a prediction here do you think when it's all said and done in the general election it's going to be trump v biden that's a tough one um i just don't no, I don't. I don't. I don't predict that. I, I think that the Democrats do not want, do not think Biden can win. And I think that they're going to find a way to get either put Trump in jail or uh, deport him. Or <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're really trying to prop up Nikki Haley. She's getting a lot of special, special interest money. She, she should have been out of this race, but there's a lot of people that want her to win. So they continue to fund her campaign and, and you can do your own research and look at the, the ties of that. But um, I think that they really want her and she may, she may run as a Democrat. I mean, there's a lot of uh, talk about that. I mean, a lot of things can happen. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if we'll even have an election, what happens if we go to war or there's a civil war? I mean, there's so many crazy things that five years ago, I would have told you, you're crazy, a civil war, like what, another world war, you know, you're crazy. But now, I don't know, anything's possible, I feel like. And, um, you know, I used to promote a charity at the end of every episode that I do. I stopped doing that because I'm like, I, I think people need to save their money. I feel like you should not be giving any money to charity. I mean, unless you just have <laughs> fuck you money or something. Be your own charity. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people need to prepare, uh, and take care of themselves. Like we're hurting right now as Americans. I don't think we should be sending money to other countries. I think we need to fix ourselves as a country first and, uh, and get our shit together. And then we should go out and help the world. Yes, absolutely. But boy, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say it literally anything could happen in the next, uh, 11, uh, 10, 11 months or whatever. I mean, what, what is your prediction though? You, you follow this stuff more than me. My prediction is it never ends up being the way it seems to be this far out. So there, I, you know, there's going to be some sort of changes that's going to happen. It could be legal with Trump. It could be um, Biden decides to spend more time with his grandkids and he steps down. Um, I, I just, this is the one, this is, here's the one thing. Say what you want about either party, but let's look at the Democratic Party really quick. And this is a nuanced point that nobody wants to bring up. Joe Biden would be 86 the last year of his second term. 86, okay? We've all seen what he is now. We've all seen him going up and down stairs, off the stage, his ability to speak. I'm not trying to to make fun here, but we've all, I think even the most ardent, strong Democrat admits that, look, there's some, some issues there cognitively, okay? 86 in his second term. If I can tell you, that he will not make it through his second term. And they already know that he probably won't make it through his second term because he'll probably have to step down due to whatever reasons. There is no way 
the Democrat Party is going to allow the insertion of Kamala Harris because that is a killer to their brand. They don't like her. They don't trust her. She hasn't passed any of the tests. That's why she's not in charge of much. That's why she doesn't uh, give huge national speeches anymore because she's a dud, because she's terrible. And in private, the Democrats on the highest of levels will admit that. So there's no way they can allow her to be president because it'll kill their brand. So if they can't allow that and they can't, and they know that Biden won't make it through his second term, then how can they allow him to run? The only way is two things. You don't allow him to run and you prop up Gavin Newsom, or Michelle Obama or somebody else, or you get rid of Harris and you make him have a different vice president. That's not going to happen. So uh, just going off that, I don't think there's any way he can actually run with her because he's not making it through a second term. He's just not. Yeah, so, so that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And these are I, again, I, you look at it, the polling numbers, I think it's like 35 percent or something. I mean, it's basically almost around. I could be again, don't flag me for misinformation. Maybe it's 37 percent. Last I saw it was around a third. Only a third of the country approves of the job he's doing. So Chuck, even Chuck, Democrats don't want him. I don't think even Democrats really wanted him in the first place. I, Chuck, I think it was just he, the establishment propping him up. How old is he? Do you have Google? He's 81 now, right? Uh, yeah, let me Google it. And I think is Trump like two or three years younger. It's not that much of a difference. Not that much younger, but Uh, we can all agree that more energetic than he's a little more energetic, but look, look, just tell me how old he is. He's 81. I believe Um, he is 81. You are correct. November 20th, 1942. So he will be 82 this November. So if he took office in January, of next year, he would be 82 for the beginning of his second term. So you're right. He'll be six 86 he would years old the last year of his second term. Yeah. We're looking at 81 Joe Biden. He'll be 80. Don't piss me off here, Chuck. Enough of the approval ratings. 86. He's 81. We know what that looks like. Okay. We're, we're, we're holding on. We're, we're holding on for dear life here. 86 years old. You really think the donors, the high level players, in that party, trust him at 86 to be the president of the United States with that kind of schedule and, and the kind of mental capacity and physical uh, uh, and motivation and, and uh, capacity that takes? 86? We know what 81 looks like, Chuck. Yeah. There's no way they think he can do that. There's no well, way. Why does it piss you off when I bring up the approval rate? Because everybody does that. Oh, it's this approval, that approval. I'm not saying he can't get elected. I'm just saying you got to think. No, I well, yeah, think I mean, further. The people that are in charge, the, the the puppet masters, the elites, the Illuminati, they know he can't govern at 86. So what is their plan? Yeah. Well, I'm he just can barely that, govern at 81. But the approval rating does make sense. I mean, they're saying I just came out today. I just googled this Gallup Gallup poll. Biden's third year job approval. Average of 39.8% is the second worst. Uh, the no, the worst was uh, Jimmy Carter. His Who was cares? 37. But that's running against was... the guy with 91 felonies. He can yeah. still win. <laughs> He's running against Trump. Half right. the country hates him. Right. 
he can still win. My point is, if they get this guy and they prop him out there and they shoot him with adrenaline and they get him through another campaign and they hide him in his basement in Delaware, he's our president. He's 86 years old in the fourth term. What happens if we have a national disaster? What happens if we have a war? What happens if we really need a president to step up, working 24-7, make important decisions? At the end of the day, the president still has a lot of power in this country. You're going to have an 86-year-old Joe Biden? There's no way the smart people, the money people, the elites in the Democrat Party really believe he can do that job. So either they're asleep at the wheel, he's asleep at the wheel, or they have a plan. Yeah, no, it's definitely food for thought, for sure. Which, what's interesting to me is like, um, you know, I, I interview a lot of musicians and, uh, you know, it reminds me of like concerts and music, if we can diverge just for a second, because a lot of bands now are being exposed for using tape at concerts, you know, and they're pre-recording music. And then it turns out like they're not really singing live or they're not really playing their instruments. And I think this has been very common for a long time, but because of social media and cameras and recording everywhere and podcasts and YouTube and people talking about it, all this stuff is being exposed. And I feel like that's the same with politics. Kind of like what I was saying earlier, just the bribery thing, the Carrie Lake tape. I think that stuff has been going on for years, but it's just being exposed and the curtain is being pulled back and you're seeing how the sausage is made. And I think people are disgusted, but I, I just, I don't know what they're going to do about it because I think, like we said, I mean, I feel like if, if most of the country doesn't want Trump versus Biden, then I feel like a, a candidate like Robert F. Kennedy would be much more popular. Like people would be voting for that. Well, that, that whole thing started, by the way, when you started talking about musicians, it started with Ashley Simpson. Remember that? SNL. Yeah. Yeah. When she when her her track was playing, you know, sure. it was like, oh crap, this is live, and she wasn't singing. That was a terrible thing for Ashley. But uh, y- you know, there's it's there's one a lot two- of stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff that's that you're seeing now that's been going on for years that we just we didn't know about. We're like, yeah. what? Like, I mean, and there's probably a lot of like vegans and stuff that you know show you how like I mean, literally how the sausage is made. There's a lot of things like that that you can you know because I think aren't you a vegetarian? Like, there's a lot of stuff like that that goes on. But now you're seeing it with every uh, no more facet of uh of life you know and politics is a big one when you're seeing how this stuff that a good example too is the uh the whole um uh, painkiller stuff there's all these documentaries and shows being made and the story and the um the sattler family is what it was they got sued i mean that shit's been going on for years they've been the drug companies have been paying off politicians and changing studies and stuff and uh i mean there's so many drugs that have been so hurtful but it's like they just do the math and it's a math problem okay uh this many people are gonna die and uh we could settle this for lawsuits uh we'll still make a uh, six billion oh, yeah, i'll do it yeah we'll lose a few lives that's fine you know i mean remember fenfen do you remember that drug it was like a weight loss drug and uh yeah. and it started killing people and they took it off they knew that it was dangerous they knew that it was going to kill somebody but they still said well we can make this much money and uh i i, I don't have any proof of this, but I, I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised. I won't be shocked if in five years, 10 years, Ozempic is suddenly, Oh, you know, there's a problem with this drug. It causes cancer what, whatever, like, you know, because it's just so common that, that these, a lot of these pharmaceutical drugs. And that's what I like about RFK is he's exposing this shit and he's pulling back the curtain and saying like, look at all the, the corruption and the greed that's going on. And this is wrong. And this is hurting Americans. Or at least let's be more transparent and say, okay, um, you know, here's if you want to take Ozempic, you have a 0.01% chance of death or 
or this side effect or whatever. Like, and if you, as long as you're aware of that, then it's your choice. But I think they're trying to like, no, no, this is, this is a hundred percent safe. It's totally fine. Oh no, that, that side effect. Oh, that'd be like really, really rare, a super extremely rare. That probably won't happen to you. And there it's dishonest. Well, if you just look at what percentage of ad sales are attributed to pharmaceutical companies on mainstream media and especially television, uh, Fox News, CNN, NBC, all of those, it's it's pharmaceutical companies that are paying these guys and gals salaries. But um, just going into what you're saying, I think it's, it is. It's the phones, it's the social media, everything is being exposed now. Um, and I think that's one of the good things of social media and the internet, where we're able to see as normal citizens of this country, what's really happening a little bit more. And, um, you know, it's a litmus test. And, and, the, uh, and you ask about RFK, why wouldn't they want a guy like that? I wonder, they meaning the elites. Why? Because they can't control him. Because he knows the elites. He knows how the game is played. He's been in those back rooms. So maybe they would rather have somebody like, and I'll go back to it. I don't know if you're afraid to get pulled down on YouTube, but you, but listen, YouTube, Google, they they know the age. Maybe they'd rather have a 84, 85, 86-year-old Joe Biden that they can control. Maybe that's the reason they want to keep him in there. I, I don't know what the reason is. I just know that we have a country, a beautiful country with very intelligent people, hundreds of millions of people. And you can't tell me that it's going to come down to someone with 91 felonies and a really old guy that can barely put a sentence together. There's got to be somebody else. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's got to be somebody else. Well, I guess we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot of interviews and talking about this a lot. So you have your show, Show Up Arizona. And then you said, is there another show you're launching? So I am going to give you the exclusive here, Chuck. So I am launching a new show. We are launching a new show. I have a co-host. Um, I can't go into the, the name right now or, or into the format or, or too much, but... I can tell you my co-host is Angela Ferrari. A lot of you probably know Angela oh, Ferrari. She's a, yep, she's a musician. She's a, an incredible talent. She's an incredible musician. Um, I've also gotten to learn after filming two episodes with her that she's an intellectual. She's very deep, spiritual woman. Um, she's really a, a beautiful soul and a kind soul and really, really intelligent. And she's a lot of things that I'm not. And uh, it's a perfect back and forth to do a show. And we got a lot of great guests lined up. And um, this show is going to go very, very deep. It's not going to be politically driven. It's not going to be celebrity driven. It's going to be about saying the quiet things out loud, the elephant in the room. And uh, we're not going to hold back. And we're doing it independently. And we're we're excited to get going. And uh, let me tell you, those of my uh, your audience that don't know her, you can find her on Instagram. It's it's at Angela Ferrari, Ferrari like the car. And uh, this girl is a rock star. This woman is a strong, powerful woman. And I'm so excited to partner with her. We've already, like I said, we've already filmed two episodes and we're going to bring something a little bit different to the game. So stay tuned. Okay. I'm excited for that. Uh, can you say who any of the guests are? Well, we I can't yet. Um, the QAnon Shaman will be on. Okay. I will say that. Uh, um, hopefully in all his Shaman garb. Um, We've got people from both sides and we're going to have, you know, we're going to have political people and not necessarily talk politics. Who are you as a woman? Who are you as a man? We're going to have musicians on and not necessarily talk music. Um, we're going to get into some some serious 
deep issues. We're going to have a priest on. We're going to have uh, 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 psychics, mediums on. Um, it's going to be quite the eclectic crew, uh, but I think we're going to get to some some real conversations and, and start to talk about the reason we're on this spinning rock, you know, floating through the universe and, and try to cut out all the bullshit, you know? I love it. That sounds right up my alley. It sounds like something I would be a fan of. Similar to what I try to do here, I, same kind of thing. You know, I have musicians on and I talk music, but I ask them other things about life and success and their, you know, uh, the purpose. Uh, that's a big thing for me. I just feel like that's such a, a uh, if we could all have that, 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 that's something that I feel like is an American, used to be an American value is that you, you had this dream and this vision for your life and, uh, and hopefully it, it made the world a better place. And I, I feel like we're, we're losing that. And I don't know that changing the president's really going to do all that much to fix that. I, I feel like that's something that we've got to promote through this kind of stuff, social media podcasts and have these conversations with people and get it out there to the world. So I don't know. It's tough. You know, I think you, you should, I, I watch your show, I listen to your show and I know you do a lot of, uh, musician interviews you do such a great job you should also dabble continue to dabble in politics because you ask very intelligent questions you ask questions that i feel like the audience wants to know about instead of just asking the cliche thing and the one thing that i just wanted to say this and i know we're wrapping up here but one thing that i hate is indifference i hate people that are just indifferent to everything i think you know i mean people if you're not interested in politics that's fine but are you interested in your bank account are you, are you interested in women's rights? Are you interested in securing our border? Are you interested in the potholes outside your apartment that are that are screwing up your uh, your axle on your car? Well, that comes down to politics ultimately, right? So don't be indifferent to it. Educate yourself. And I think you do a good job asking the right questions and just don't be indifferent in life. Like wake up. I get people, they tell me, I'm, I'm so bored. I'm just sitting there on my phone on TikTok. You're bored? Go take a walk outside. Go have a conversation. Buy yourself a cup of coffee. Go do a kind deed. Do something. Everyone is just fat and happy on their couch watching Netflix while scrolling through TikTok. I'm sick of it. You got one life to live. This is the one chance you got. One roll of the dice. Get your shit together, man. I mean, come on. We're all, like I said in the beginning, we're all going to die. That's all I know. Taxes and death. It's going to happen. So, like, wake up. Wake up. Yeah. I love it. Let's end on that. That's, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. Get out there and, uh, and, and live your life and do what you, what, what you feel is important. And if you don't know what that is, then, uh, do your research and, and start learning about what's interesting. You know, if you're wondering about things like why do things do this way, you know, what is BlackRock? You know, what start looking it up and doing your own research and figuring it out. Listen to some of my podcasts. You'll learn a lot. I talk about a lot of different things. So Thank you so much for doing this, Billy. I look forward to uh, more uh, episodes of Show Up Arizona and then more of this new show. Does it have a title? It does have a title, but we can't say it yet. Just watch Angela Ferrari on Instagram, Billy Harfosh on Instagram, everywhere else, and it's going to be released very soon. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the full podcast episode. Please help support our guests by following them on social media and purchasing their products, whether it be a book, album, film, or other thing. And if you have a few extra dollars, please consider donating it to their favorite charity. If you want to support the show, you can like, share, and comment on this episode on social media and YouTube. And if you want to go the extra mile, you can give us a rating or review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. 
Finally, make sure you're subscribed to the show on YouTube for the video versions and other exclusive content. We appreciate your support. Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon.